Well, today I'm going to just talk about some things I think everybody can relate to because, uh, you know, everyone has had certain things that you've desired, and it took longer than what you thought it should. You know, it's like you needed, like, somebody needs to tell God this shouldn't be taking so long. But that's why the Bible says we have patience. So turn with me to Proverbs, the 13th chapter, and 12 to start out. Then we're going to drop down to verse 19, the first half of verse 19. And look what it says. It says that hope deferred maketh the heart sick. Have you ever been heart sick? You know, maybe you broke up with your boyfriend or girlfriend, and, and, or maybe you, you thought you were going to get a big account, and may, like Sam would be the, to sell insurance, and he sells it, and then they back out, and he's got to give all the money back. That's hope deferred. <laughs> and it makes your heart sick. It makes you like, oh, yuck, this is really nasty. I don't like this. And so sometimes things take a long time, and sometimes they start taking too long. And, you know, it's like the children of Israel, I, I can imagine their heart was sick when they wandered around in that wilderness for 40 years. And, you know, sometimes, you know, Noah, a hundred, my gosh, to build that ark. I'll bet there were times where hope was getting deferred, like, is this, is this thing ever going to get done? Is this purpose for this ever going to come to pass? Is this covenant thing between God and I ever going to manifest and are we going to see what happens here so it says that hope deferred put off you know hope is desire hope and desire are used interchangeably all throughout the bible so you could say desire deferred maketh the heart sick but when the desire cometh it is a tree of life how many of you know there's a tree of life in the new jerusalem and we eat off of it and it's healing for all the nations and the, and the tree of life is what would keep Adam and Eve alive. They couldn't eat of the tree. After they ate of the knowledge of good and evil, you can't eat of the tree of life. That's why they got them out of the garden. They, God had to get them out of the garden because, you know what? They would have lived eternally in their sin. See, the thing about death is the best thing that can happen to death is it needs to die. The death force needs to die in our lives. Somebody say amen. But if they'd have eaten of the tree, which was the life force... Death wouldn't have died and they eternally would have been trapped in a death condition. So that God had to shoo them out of the garden and get them away from the tree of life and put two big cherubs with fiery swords to keep them out of that garden of Eden where the tree of life is. That same garden now where the Bible says there'll be a new heaven and new earth when you get to the, that back part of the book of Revelation at the very end where it talks about there'll be a river of life flowing through there. And that for healing, there'll be uh, leaves that'll be eaten off of the tree of life that will heal the nations, the Bible says. The tree of life, I don't know how or why God chooses a tree or what, because Adam was a gardener and will, there will forever be seed time and harvest, the Bible says. There'll always be four seasons, even in the new heaven and the new earth. And, and, and there's just something about trees. And uh, that tree is where life would come from, and they had to be kicked out and get away from it. But... When we have hope fulfilled, we get a little taste of the kingdom of heaven. We get a little taste of what eternity is like. And we get a little taste of what it means to eat of a tree of life. Let me read it one more time. It's, very, it's a very profound thing, what it's saying here. And it goes on, it says, uh, that hope deferred maketh the heart sick, but when desire cometh, that's faith. Because whatsoever things you desire when you pray, if you believe that you receive them, you shall have them. That's faith, because it says, have the faith of God, two verses before that, as Mark 20, 11, 22, and 24. And look at this. It says that hope deferred make the heart sick, but when desire cometh, 
That's sort of things you desire when you pray. If you believe, you receive them. It is a tree of life. In other words, it brings... You know, a lot of people go around. Nothing is faith in their life. They're not believing for anything more than what they can just do in the natural. They're not living a life that takes God to get it done. If they can't do it themselves, they're not going to believe for it. They don't want to risk anything. They don't want to take any chances. They don't want to go out on a limb. They don't want to be embarrassed about, oh, what if it doesn't come to pass? They don't want to have to live by faith. They want to live by sight. They want to live by the norm. They don't want to have to step out and take chances and depend upon God. They, they, oh, yeah, I believe in God. Well, that's not faith. You can believe in God. The Bible says the devils believe in God. It's when you obey him and trust him. I, can, I believe in that chair, but I, let's say if I said I believe in it, but I won't sit in it. No, you don't believe in it until you sit in it. Somebody say amen. True faith acts. Faith without corresponding action is dead. A lot of people don't want to step out. They don't want to have their hope get, get deferred a little bit sometimes because they don't want to have to go through any pain of believing for things and standing in faith and exercising patience. But God says that when you do, when desire is realized, and when it comes, how does it say that? Uh, when uh, it's, a, it's a tree of life, and it is, uh, you know, the very thing that brings joy to your soul. Let me read it one more time. Hope deferred maketh the heart sick, but when the desire cometh, it is a tree of life. Amen. Then you go down there, and it says in verse 19, the desire accomplished is sweet to the soul. The heart being sick versus sweet. How, how would you rather have uh, your heart, something be sweet to your heart than something that is grievous to your uh, heart? I, I, I like, you know, I, if I have to choose which way I'm going to go, I'm going to go with verse 19. The desire accomplished is sweet to the soul. You know, something about finishing, something about finally receiving something that you're believing for is a tremendous thing. But, you know, I believe this, that the heart is the key thing that we need to understand. Hope deferred maketh the heart sick. The heart is the real you. We talk about this all the time, how, you know, it says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Everybody say new creature. Some translations say new creation. And old things pass away, behold, all things become new. We know that. We know Ephesians says, you know, Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. I, I quote it all the time. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the inward man that's created. Everybody say created. That's that new creature. Created after God in true righteousness and true holiness. See, your spirit man is righteous. It's holy. It can be grieved. It, it can uh, have, like, not, not sickness like sickness and disease, but, but it, can, it can feel... Like, oh, this is not right. It, it, there's a grief to it. And your heart can be sick when hope gets... When, when your heart's not operating in faith, or your faith isn't working because you're doing something wrong, you're not standing in faith, you're not confessing, you're not really believing, or you're doing something wrong, for you to not live by faith makes your heart sick. Because we were made to live by faith. Somebody say Amen. We were create, you know, an unfulfilled life is just me go get a job, me do what I can do, me just make money that I can make, me go live within a budget I can live within, and me being totally self-sufficient, self-made man, uh, I don't need God, 
that those people die of cancer, those people are miserable, those people become alcoholics, those people have a sick heart on the inside, and they're already lost, and so it's, it's really probably sick. But when your heart gets born again, those things will grieve you, and you won't want to live that way. You'll want to live by faith, and you may not know what it is that's bothering you. But your heart and your spirit wants to believe God. It wants to live by faith. It wants to have a love relationship with the Creator. It wants to do the things that the Bible says to do. But many times, people aren't doing or they aren't believing, and the heart grows sick because it's not looking towards the inward desires. And many times, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life is what we can live by if we're not careful. And those are the false substitutes of the desires of the heart. You know, the difference between a desire and a lust are just a little bit. You desire to walk in love towards your mate. You can have a lust for women in general or a lust for men in general. How many of you know there's just a little bit difference? One is righteous and in God's will. One is Satan's false substitute that is about selfishness. Many people have never been able to delineate, distinguish, and determine the difference between their lusts and godly desires. Most people are living according to the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And you will be sick. You will be unhappy. You will be unfulfilled. You will be chasing more. You'll try. You'll become an alcoholic. You'll want to drink more. You'll want to just spend and buy and spend. And you'll, you'll do all these things trying to fulfill because you haven't distinguished and determined the direction of the desire of your heart. And the direction of desire, and this is why my sermon is called Discerning the Direction of Desire. Desire is what God put inside us as our homing mechanism. It's the very thing that's to guide us and to give us understanding where to, where to go in life. You know, I, you can't have a desire, like if you've always wanted to, in your heart, you feel like God's called you uh, to be maybe a doctor or, or something or an engineer, and, and then to go do something else, you're not going to be happy. Your desires are indicators of what you're to believe for, do, work toward, plan for, and prepare yourself uh, for in life. So we need to understand that. And so it says in Genesis that we're made in the image of God. And if we were made in the image of God, then I believe that that's a very reliable way because God is a spirit, and we're made in his image. We're a spirit. Now, we live in a body. We have a mind. God has a mind. But when we understand that, we can realize that if we're made in God's image, originally we could have done anything that we want to do, that our heart's desires, and it's right. Now, Satan got Adam and Eve to do something that was the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. The lust of the eyes, Eve said, she looked upon the fruit, and it was beautiful to look upon. That's the lust of the eyes. Then she said that she took the fruit, and she said it was good to the taste or good to eat. That's the lust of the flesh. And then Satan conned her into buying this idea that to eat of it, they would become like God if they ate. And that is the pride of life. He tempted her through those three things. Her desire was being substituted with false lust, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. That happens every day in people's lives. And so what she thought was going to give her great satisfaction Something beautiful, something that tasted good, something that's going to make her like God. And wow, I mean, that's quite an accomplishment. 
That's quite, uh, you know, something to attain to. And yet what she became was like the devil, a loser, fallen, kicked out, lost paradise, lost a good relationship with God, her husband, her kids, her kids, one murdered the other. How many of you know some things went wrong when she followed lust instead of desire? See, God put a desire in them to serve him. He put a desire in them uh, to, to be in charge of the garden, to name the animals, to have children, to be fruitful and to multiply, to subdue, to take dominion. He put that desire inside of Adam and Eve, but they gave it all up for a cheap, false, phony, junk substitute that Satan brought to him. Kids are doing that all the time. Young people are doing that all the time. They're forfeiting the deeper, more profound, more fulfilling things of life for a cheap, dime store, junk life that isn't worth anything. Somebody say amen. When we really need to be looking towards the things that God has for us, the things that really are the desires and keyword of our, everybody say it with me, hearts. See, it's a joy to the soul when the heart is fulfilled. And your soul and your heart are not necessarily or exactly the same thing. We all know what our body is. That's pretty simple. But we are a spirit and we have a mind or a soul. Soul is mind, will, and emotions. The heart is where the soul and the, the, the spirit man overlap. Our, we are a spirit. We have a soul. We live in a body. The heart is the inward most being of our being where our very spirit man and our mind or our soul intersect and are one. The heart. The heart of a matter is the very dead center of a matter. Can I get an amen? And so that's really what it's referring to when it talks about the heart. And so it says that, you know, the heart, you know, is sick when things are deferred, but the soul has great joy when desire comes. Let's go on. Because the Bible says in Psalms 37, 4, turn there quickly. Psalms 37, 4, it says that God wants to give us the desires of our heart. Now, he doesn't want to give us the lust of our flesh. He wants to give us the desires of our heart. He wants to give us what he programmed inside of us, our want to. You know that big want to on the inside of you? He programmed that. God put that in there. That want to, you know, Joel Osteen. Dean's dead. Uh, what was his name? John Osteen. As you say, how big is your want to? You know, some people are three talent. Some people are five talent, two talent, one talent. In the Old Testament, they broke up uh, Israel into fifties, tens, fifties, hundreds, and thousands. How big is your want to? How many of you know everybody has a different size want to on the inside? Some people have greater desires than others. But God wants to bring to pass the desires that he's put in your heart. And I think those can grow. And I think when you start believing and receiving and walking in the desires of God, he's going to take you to the next level. How many of you know that you can't be satisfied with yesterday's manna? How many have you ever gotten a car and then after a while you weren't satisfied, you want to get something better? And, you know, that, that can become a bad thing, too. But I believe that your desires in the kingdom of God can grow like that, too. If you accomplish one level, you know, we've hit this level. I'm not, I'm not happy with this level anymore. I've got desire to go on to the next level. How many of you know God wants you to go up from glory to glory and from faith to faith? He wants to give you the desires. He doesn't want to give you the desires that you had in first grade. He doesn't want to give you the desires that you had when you were a senior in high school. He wants to give you the desires that are age-appropriate, spiritually age-appropriate, for your life right now. So he wants those desires to be commensurate with your experience, your obedience, and your call, and where you are in life at this moment in time. So let's look at that, Psalms 37. 
And we're going to go, I believe it's verse 4. It says, delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. You know, delight yourself in the Lord first. That's seek first the kingdom, and he'll give you all these things that you desire. How many of you know there's another place in the New Testament that says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and he'll give you all the desires of your heart. And so here it says, delight yourself in the Lord. In other words, be sure that your first delight, your first desire is centered around God. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thy heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. So you got to delight yourself in the Lord. Then you got to commit thy way unto the Lord. you got to trust also, and he shall bring it to pass. So it takes more than just delighting and knowing that he'll give you the desires. you got to commit it to him. This is his part, verse 3, 4, where you, know, you delight yourself in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. And this is your part. Commit your way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. There's always our part, and there's always God's part. We're co-laborers together. God works these things out together. I can't do it without God, and God won't do it without me. I can't do it without God, and God won't do it without me. He needs for both uh, parties to be engaged. So let's talk about three things. Mark eleven twenty four 24 says, whatsoever things that you desire to have. So there's things that you desire to have. 1 Timothy 3, 1 and then things that you desire to do. It says, if any man desires the office of a bishop, let him be the husband of one wife. Let him not be a brawler. Let him not be you know, a drinker. Let him not love filthy lucre. And it goes down and it gives you 18 character qualifications in 1 Timothy, the third chapter, starting in verse 1. But it starts out, if any man desires. Say, if any man desires the office of a bishop. So that's something you do. Mark eleven twenty four says, what's over things that you desire? So we desire things to have, but we also, out of desire, are driven to desire things that we do. And then a third one is we desire to be. Turn with me to Mark, the 10th chapter, verses 35 through 39. And we're going to see where the apostles had ambition, it appeared. It appeared that they wanted to be somebody. It appeared that they wanted to have a place of uh, prestige or position in life. And that can be bad, but it's not all bad, according to what Jesus said to them and how he responded to them. But we're turning over there to Mark, and we're in the 10th chapter. And we're going to look at the disciples who came to him, and they kind of wanted some favor. They kind of wanted Jesus to help them. Uh, find a particular position in life in relationship to him. Verse 35, And James and John, sons of Zebedee, come unto him, saying, Master, we would that thou should do for us whatsoever we shall... What's that word say there in the King James? Whatsoever we shall desire. He says, we got some things you want, we want you to do for us that we desire. Just like if you desire the office of a bishop. Whatsoever things you desire when you pray. Now, you know, things to have desires of things that you want to do with your life, and then some desire of what you want to be in life. Wow. And he said unto them, What would ye that I should do for you? And they said unto him, Grant unto us that we may sit one on thy right hand and the other on the left hand in thy glory. Well, that's not asking for much. Our family totally takes up the the, the, uh, throne, one on one side and one on the other. And we're brothers. I mean, us four, no more. Who cares about the rest? I mean, you could say, gee, you guys aren't asking for much. And 
Yet Jesus, he didn't do that to him. He didn't say, gosh, you're asking for much. Are you guys being a little arrogant here? Uh, are we being a little overambitious, boys? Uh, do you really understand that there's other people sitting around listening to you saying, who do they think they are? And he didn't rebuke them, didn't say, you're dumb. He didn't come against them, which, you know, a lot of us might have done that. Like, gosh, you know, maybe when you can get your head through the door, we'll talk about it. What, what, what would you that I should do for you? And they said, and grant unto us, and that we sit on each side. In verse 38, we'll pick back up. But Jesus said unto them, you know not what you ask. Can you drink of the cup that I drink of and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? See, I remember Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he said, can this cup pass from me? It was so demanding that he was going to have to be so debased it was so stressful. It was so bad what was revealed to him in the Garden of Gethsemane. The Bible says he began to sweat blood. And that is a real condition. Hemo something something. And when you're under extreme duress, it's been known in medical cases for people to sweat, for blood to go through the pores of your body. Jesus was all covered with blood. I can imagine the disciples saw him thinking, what on earth? earth maybe that was a foreshadowing that after he was going to be beaten he was going to be covered with blood but just the thought of it made him bleed it was so stressful that he said to god can this cup pass from me and the lord said no there's no other way obviously and he said be it done unto me and he said not my will but thy will be done See, if, if you're going to ascend, see, it says that he became a man and he humbled himself and even to humbled himself to the point of the death on the cross. But then God has highly exalted him and given him a name above every name, far above all principality, power, and might. And every knee shall bow down to him, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. How many of you know that's over there in Colossians? So if you're going to go way up, buddy, you're going to have to go way down first. You've got to humble yourself and then God will exalt you. The way up is actually down. First humbling and then exaltation. He says, are you boys ready for that? Are, you've got some big desires, but you're going to have to have, to have some big long suffering. You're going to have to have some big ability to endure pain. You're going to have to have some, if you have got big ambition, you better have some big want to. You have better have some big grit and guts and toughness to go with it. So Jesus was giving them this little lesson. Do you know what you ask? Can you drink of the cup that I drink of and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? In other words, are you willing to go through what I'm going to go through here in just a little while? And they said unto him, we can. And Jesus said unto them, you shall indeed drink of the cup. That I Be careful what you ask for. Be careful what you ask for. Count the cost before you build the tower. Count the cost before you go to war, Jesus says in another place. Because it may cost you more than you want to pay. A lot of people want greatness and they admire people to have things and wealth and maybe their business or, or, or their this or that or the other. And, oh, I would want that. Do you want all the, do you want all the uh, sacrifice that goes with it? Do you, do you want to not be able to go out on the lake boating and doing all the stuff that you'd like to do because you're married to that thing and it's going to take all your life and it's going to suck the life out of you? And, yeah, it'll bring you to a certain greatness on a certain level and a certain thing in life. But are you willing to give what it takes? See, just remember, with your, how big your want to is, is going to be how big your commitment is going to have to be. Somebody say amen. So it's great to aspire big, 
but also we need to aspire to what we're willing to do. And so here we see Jesus, he didn't rebuke them for desire. He didn't rebuke them. How many of you know God wants you to have a big desire, though? But God wants you to have a big commitment after you make that desire and that commitment to it. And they said unto him, we can. And Jesus said unto them, uh, you shall indeed drink of the, of the cup that I drink of with the baptism that I'm baptized with. Whew. But to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared. And so there are some things that we can attain to, and it's going to take a lot of things. And, and desire will drive you to do that. But there's some things that God says that only the Father gets to determine. Now, here's another scripture, 1 John 5.14. 1 John 5.14 says, This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, we know that he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, we know, there's three we knows right there, we know that he has granted us the, everybody say it with me, desires we have petitioned of him. The only confidence that we really have in knowing when we desire something, this is the confidence, is what we're desiring in the word. See, that's when you can determine whether you're chasing after flesh fantasies lust wanderings or if it's really God's plan for your life. First John 5.14, what sort of things you desire? Excuse me, uh, this is the confidence that we have in him. This is where all our confidence comes from. If we ask anything according to his will. Well, that's his word. His word is his will. We've talked about that. If we ask anything according to his word, we know that he hears us. You know, if you're, in, if you're asking things that aren't according to his word, he does, it says you have not because you ask not. But then when you ask, you ask amiss to consume it upon your lusts. You, we, we ask amiss and we want to consume things upon our lusts. You, you, you can't go anywhere with that. Your desire, that's not real desire. That's the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, pride of life. That's your ego talking. That's your fantasy. But when it's in the word, and you're going to have to measure with what you want, does that really line up with the word? Then you can have great confidence. This is the confidence I have in him if I ask anything according to his word. I know that he hears me. And if we know that he hears us, we know that he, has, he already has granted us the petitions that we have, and there's that word, desired of him. See, desired. What's the things you desire when you pray? See, all these things are always predicated on, do you have desire for it? Because if you have desire, now we should desire everything that's in the Bible, but the Bible doesn't tell you who you're going to marry. The Bible doesn't tell you what your job's going to be. The Bible doesn't tell you where you're going to live. The Bible doesn't tell you how much money you should be uh, trying to make in life. And the, but see, if all these other things in your life line up with the word, well, do I want that? Well, does it take you out of church? Does it make you put money above God? Job above church. Boss above pastor. See, well, really, then you're serving mammon and you don't realize it. See, there's a lot of things we need to find out. Is this God's will? Is this, is this fulfilling desire for eternal things? Things that are forever and ever and ever. Not just right now. See, because you're going to be judged on everything that you do, you say, you have, you are. 
And so we've got to discern what sort of things that you desire. When you, see, Adam and Eve desired, they desired that fruit. It was good looking, good tasting, made you like God. Why wouldn't you want it? You'd be stupid not to eat it. No. They desired, their heart was desiring to walk with God and to obey and to eat of the regular fruit of the garden that they were supposed to be eating from and the tree of life, not the knowledge of good and evil. So they, they tripped over into the lusts of the flesh. Well, I want this, you know, are you sure it's not your ego? Are you sure that it's not something else driving you other than the Holy Spirit? You need to ask yourself that. You need to test all things. You need to prove all things. You need to hold fast to that which is true to the eternal truths of the Scripture, not the immediate need and demand or want to or desire, not desire, but lust for in your life. Somebody say amen. I'm trying to teach you how to find God's will and how to be able to believe and receive things today. You see, the Word sorts that all out. The Word is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Dividing asunder so, the, the soul and the spirit, dividing asunder bone and marrow, and is a discerner and a divider of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. It divides the soul from the spirit. The word of God will divide the soulish things that your soulish man, your mind will and emotion wants, and the things that your spirit man really wants. You know, your soulish man becomes so dominant if you don't renew your mind. Your soulish man will become so dominant over your spirit, you'll start thinking the things that your soul is wanting is your spirit's desires. So that's why you got to put your flesh under and you got to renew your mind. And when you renew your mind, when that soulish want to rise up and say, nope, nope, see, that's not God. I can disprove that with the word. That's not, a, that's not a desire of my heart. That's a false substitute. That's just a lust of my soul and my flesh. Because the word says this. The word talks to me about my priorities. The word talks to me about all these things. And so that cannot be a desire of the heart. That's over here in the realm of my ego. That's in the realm of my I want to eat the fruit to be like God. That's in the realm I want to eat the fruit because it tastes so good. That's in the realm I want to eat the fruit because it's so beautiful. That's over there in that soulish realm that I can be deceived. You know, Paul prayed that we would not depart from the simplicity of the gospel and that we'd be deceived like Eve. There's simplicity in it. I've just got to look and see in the Word. The Word will tell me, oh, this is a desire of the heart. This is a desire of the heart to go win souls, uh, to be faithful to God, to be faithful in church, to be faithful in the tithe, uh, to be a faithful, trustworthy, loyal person, to be a godly person that walks in love even when it's difficult to. And, and, and the Word tells me all the things that are desires of my heart. And over here I can see, oh, the children of Israel fell into this. That was the lust of their flesh. The children of Israel fell into that. That was the lust of their flesh. Adam and Eve fell into this. Adam and Eve fell into that. Oh, that's just the lust of the flesh driving that. So now I rightly discern, like it says in Hebrews, the word rightly like a two-edged sword divides the soulish man and his gig and what he wants from the spirit man and the implanted desires of the spirit man's heart that God put there. That God wants you to follow. Somebody say amen. amen. So when we, this is the confidence that we get into the word and we start knowing all the, chip, the cheap tricks of the devil to get us over into our soulish desires instead of our spiritual, real, God-ordained, God-implanted desires that were put there when you were 
design, when your DNA was made, God put that in there. Before your DNA, somebody say amen. So we need to, we need to realize uh, that there are things that we desire to have, things, there are things we desire to do, and there are things we desire to be in life. And Jesus didn't rebuke the disciples for wanting to be great. Did you know that all of us deep down want to be great? And if you don't want to be great, there's probably something wrong with you. Somebody say amen. amen. Because God is great, isn't he? Yes. And we're made in his image. And if maybe you're not desiring to be something great, maybe you're settling for something less than God has for you. Now let me say that again because it got way too quiet. If you're not desiring for something great, maybe you're settling for something less than God has for you. God created everything and said it was good. So God wants you to be good. He wants you to be great. He wants you to attain to the highest and best that you have in your life. Now, we're going to just quickly, you know, the flesh and the spirit are contrary to one another, the Bible says. And the natural mind, it says, is death, but the spiritual mind is life. And the flesh has all these desires, but we need to understand that God wants us to walk uh, in desire. And I believe this, we need to be in the Word. Desires are, depend are, are dependable, if biblical, and that desire that you have is a dependable desire that you can count on if it's biblically based. And you can go forward. I'm, we're going we're gonna to knock off a little, and we're going to pick up next week. I'm only going to uh, preach half the message today. But let, let me just, let me give you one last example. You know, an example of desire, let's say music ministry. Brother Hagin talks about a woman who got over into the flesh. She, and, and I like using this example because it's so profound. And he wrote it, and he put it in one of his books. But... You know, for instance, let's say you have desire for music ministry. Biblical is, you can look in the Word and you can see music ministry, it's a ministry of helps. It's not a ministry in and of itself. It's a support ministry. It is not a ministry in itself. Only the five-fold ministry gifts that are based on preaching the Word are the ministry foundations where uh, the visions emanate from. But the ministry of music is only a ministry of helps. You have to understand that. It's to serve people. And to help enter into praise and worship with God. Music is not to entertain in the Bible. Music was created uh, for God's glory. It was created to get people over in to a place of praising and worshiping God. It's to prepare them for the word to be preached. And it's to tell them about Christ in the lyrics. It's to communicate gospel message in lyrics. It is not to entertain or is not to exalt a person. But see, the flesh is to be noted or recognized, to make money, to have influence, to have a promoted status, uh, to, to become somebody, uh, and, and uh, to, to be uh, maybe used. There was a woman in Brother Hagin's book that he tells about. He talks about he went to a certain church and the pastor preached for him. And he went down and uh, preached at this church and did several meetings, and afterwards the pastor and him went home. They had some sandwiches together, and Brother Hagin says, I feel a need to pray, and uh, they got down, and they started to pray. Brother Hagin had a very supernatural experience happen. He had a vision about a woman, and this woman was a pastor's wife, and he was a man in their church, and uh, it's his wife. And in this vision, he saw this woman who was very beautiful. She was very talented. She was very much a musically gifted person. 
and she was doing praise and worship in her church, and Satan came to her. And he said, you're too beautiful for this. You're too talented for this church business. You need to go out in the world and make a lot of money and make a name for yourself and become somebody. You need to go find yourself, maybe. Maybe that's what it is. And so then she said, no, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you. I know what my music calling is for. I know that it's to be submitted to God, to serve God, uh, to bless God, to exalt him, not myself. She rebuked that thing. In the name of Jesus, you need to leave. And he saw it came to her like a little dot, and it was outside of her mind. And then he said, time went by, and he's having this vision. He's really on his knees praying with the pastor of the church. He's, he's there seeing all this supernaturally by the power of the Holy Spirit through uh, the discerning of spirits and a word of wisdom and word of knowledge. And so he's down there, and second time, the little dot comes to this woman again that he sees in the vision. And, she, and, it, and it keeps bugging her and bugging her, and then finally she lets it, and she entertains. She started thinking, well, what would it be like to be famous? What would it like, be like to uh, have a lot of money? What would it be like uh, to not have to be committed to a, to a local church? And what would that be like? Oh, oh, what am I thinking of? What am I? Get out of here. I'm not, I don't want to think like that. Get out of here in the name of Jesus. Leave. And it left. Came back a third time. And it came here. And then it came in and got entertained. And then over a while, she was listening to it and thinking, you know, I mean, I, you, you wouldn't, I mean, going to heaven isn't dependent upon whether you do music in church. I mean, going to heaven is, is if you accept Jesus, and why would it hurt if I did go out and sing a little bit secularly? And why, why would that hurt anything if we had more money? How could that be a bad thing? And that thing stayed there. And then he saw her change, and it go down into her heart. And then she started talk, saying, you know what? This is what I want to do. This is the real me. This is where I want to go in life. This is what I'm going to do in life. And he said he saw that blackness take in to her soul and expand through her mind and her whole spirit being. Darkness. Brother Hagen like, comes out of this vision and he turns to the pastor and he says, Brother so-and-so, I just had a very supernatural experience. He says, I need to share with you because it's about uh, a man and woman, a, a former pastor. Or it, it, maybe it wasn't in their church, but it was a pastor, and it seems like they were in their church. I could be wrong on that, but let me say this. He said, I had this dream, and he explained the whole vision to the man. He goes, yep, 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 that's right, that's right, that's right, that's exactly what happened to her. And he says, now let me tell you the rest of the story. She used to be a godly woman that led praise and worship in the church. And he says, we sent our two deacons to go restore her back to God. We knew she'd gotten so far off, we didn't know whether she was even saved anymore. He said, we sent two deacons to her house. So those deacons went and knocked on her door. And when, they came, when she came to the door, she came to the door in a robe with no clothes on underneath it, with it hanging wide open like that. And said, don't ever bother me again. I don't want anything to do to hell with Jesus Christ. See, she mistook desire for the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. We need to discern the direction of our desires 
not our lusts. Somebody say amen. You see, today there's Christians who are so deceived in this. They're following after their desires, and they're doing things that are churchianity not ordained by God. And it's all over. It's all around us. It's in churches everywhere. And they're like this woman, except maybe they haven't even got that far out of line, because as many will say, it says here in Matthew, it says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father. That's, the, that's discerning heart desires, not you know, your, your uh, soulish man, your carnal desires. The will of my Father, which is heaven. Many will say in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? In thy name we've cast out devils. In thy name done many wonderful works. This sounds like Christian folks. Only Christians cast out devils. Only Christians prophesy. Christians do wonderful works. His name shall be called wonderful, the Bible says, wonderful works. And it says, and then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. Church stuff, prophesying, casting out devils. And you'll say, depart from me. So here's the thing. Know what your desires in your heart and know that those desires line up with the word of God. Somebody say amen. Your desires need to line up with the word of God. I'm going to go start a Christian band, or I'm going to go do this, because it's kind of Christian, and I feel like doing it. That may just be your lust. And I don't care if it is churchianity. I don't care if it has church written all over it. If it's really driven by the lust of your flesh instead of the God-given desire of your heart, you could end up like that woman in Brother Hagin's vision. How many of you don't want to end up there? Amen. So let's stand up. We're going to be dismissed.